Welcome to Aging in Style with me, Lori Williams. I'm an optimist by nature, and I believe you can follow your dreams at any age. My grandmother's journey with dementia ignited a passion in me to work with seniors. I've spent the past 13 years learning about seniors and aging. In my mid-50s, I followed my own dream and founded my company, where I use my expertise to help seniors locate housing and resources. On this podcast, we cover all aspects of aging. Join us each week to meet senior living experts and inspirational seniors who are following their dreams. The fact is, we're all aging, so why not do it in style? Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Aging in Style. So glad y'all are here because today's topic is going to be a really, really good one. Um, We're talking about being the caregiver to your parents as they age, whether they have dementia or Parkinson's or whatever challenges that, you know, occur as they age. A lot of times the kids fall into the position of parenting your own parent and, um, that's a this can be a difficult role to be in, uh, causes a lot of challenges, and we don't want you to lose yourself along, you know, through this process. So today I have brought on a author and a lady that I met not long ago. Um, her name is Charlotte Canyon, and she is an author, speaker, um, has a radio show. She kind of does it all, writes all kinds of different books, but she wrote a book called You Have to Laugh to Keep from Crying, How to Parent Your Parents, and it chronicles her journey with her father-in-law who had been diagnosed with dementia and her mother with Alzheimer's and her father with Parkinson's. (laughs) She had a lot on her plate, a lot going on, and um, her passion is really helping caregivers. So welcome, Charlotte. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Lori, thank you for inviting me. Sure. Well, why don't we jump in? I've heard you tell your story before, and I would love for you to share it. What was going on? Well, let's go back to the, you know, about 2005. And my father-in-law lived with my husband and I. My husband's an only child. And he started showing signs of dementia. Now, we know that the person that, you know, has dementia is the first one to notice it and they deny it Mm -hmm. and you know they try to you know cover it up with all kinds of facades well the second people that deny it are the closest in the family so his only son was in denial no pop's not going through this and pop is what we called my Mm father-in-law and I'm the daughter-in-law and I saw it more and more and of course I was home more in and out and I noticed it And I remember one day he came into the house and he was kind of frantic. I was cooking dinner and he said, Charlotte, I need you. I need you right now. So I, you know, of course, turned off the stove and I, I said, Pop, what's the matter? And he said, I've had a car wreck. And I said, Pop, are you okay? You know, is anybody hurt? And he says, no, 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 no. Come with me. And I need, we need to go in your car because I've, I've, you know, messed up my car. So my mind's thinking, well, at least it was able to drive it home. Well, when I went out to the driveway, the whole right side of his car. Now, if you remember, our parents drove big Lincolns and they drove big Oldsmobiles. They drove big cars. They were like tanks. So, you know, this Lincoln was just scraped all the way down. I mean, literally, they totaled it by the time we got to the insurance company. Wow. But I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Pop, what happened? And then, of course, my mind's thinking, did he drive away from an accident? Are the police going to show up on my front door? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I handle this? And I don't have time, you know, to call Craig right now. 
Anyway, he says, no, I hit a mailbox. Now, my mind is thinking that had to be the biggest brick rock mailbox in the world to have done that kind of damage to his car. But out of love and respect for Pop, I said, okay, get in the car, because he wanted to go back and pay for the mailbox. Aww. He wanted to go back to the house where he did the mailbox. So we get in the car, and we start driving around our neighborhood. And as I told you, I live in South Denton. So I drove all around South Denton. Then I ended up driving through Argyle, kind of out of his bubble. But, you know, we're trying to find this mailbox. He can't remember hmm. where it was, or I'm not even sure he could remember what he hit. But as we're going down these farm roads, all of a sudden he sees this, this mailbox, and it's a pole mailbox. Now, we mm -hmm. all know what a pole mailbox is. And it was just leaning maybe about 10 degrees. That's the mailbox I hit. Now, I know in my heart that that mailbox did not do the damage, you know, to his car. But out of that love and respect for him, and I'm having patience with him, I said, okay, Pop. So he wanted to go up to the door. And of course, I literally went, okay, God, this one's on you. You're going to handle this, you know, because... You know, I'm, I'm just trying to be here and be support. We drove down the little driveway. Of course, it was on about an acre and a half. And he said, okay, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to get out of the car. You stay in the car. Okay, so I stayed in the car. And I kept my eyes on Pop. And he walked up to the porch. Now, there was four little steps going up to this porch. And he started talking to somebody. Now, I'm doing the best I can to see, you know, who he might be talking to, but I couldn't because they had let their shrubs grow up almost to their eve of their house. Mm -hmm. So if there was someone sitting on the porch, I couldn't have seen them anyway. So I just kept my eye on Pop, and all of a sudden I noticed that his hands, he was kind of doing a fist. Now, Pop had an even temper. He was, mm -hmm. he was a very man I, I, just a beautiful person but when he kind of got angry you know he it was going to the other side so I thought okay time to get out of the car go go take care of things so I got out of the car and as I walked up to pop and grabbed his hand I could see out of my peripheral what was going on so I walked him up the four steps and then I walked him over to a park bench that was on that porch and sitting on that park bench was a scarecrow. It was October. Oh, it was no. Halloween. So Pop was out there driving, and he couldn't distinguish between a scarecrow and a real person. Oh, no. And so, you know, my mind's going 90 to nothing. I, I don't know what he hit. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking, we'll get back home, and the police will be there. But he still insisted on knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. So I let him, and God took care of everything because this sweet young, I bet she probably wasn't 27 years old, young lady came to the door, and Pop explained that he hit her mailbox and he wanted to pay for it. She said, oh, my gosh, I've been wanting a new mailbox. You are not going to pay me for that mailbox. So thank you, God. He took care of that one. But we got back in the car and went home. And like I say, I kept expecting the police to show up either that day or the next day. To this day, we have no idea. No what, idea what he, what he hit. hit. Or what he hit. Have no idea. 
But that was the catalyst that finally made my husband realize, mm, maybe we need to go to a doctor and get a third party diagnose this. And then both of them will acknowledge that something's going on. So that's kind of was the beginning of my saga. And within six weeks of Pop being diagnosed with dementia, and we know dementia is a huge umbrella that covers, mm -hmm. what, 300 different diseases. My mother got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and my dad with Parkinson. Oh, my goodness. So all of a sudden, it was like, okay, I'm the daughter-in-law, but I'm the only female in the family. And we know that females do, what, 75% mm -hmm. of the caregiving mm -hmm. in the world. It's getting a little better. But I have one sibling in my family. And he lives 3,000 miles away in Alaska. Hmm. So that means I'm the caregiver on both sides. And I, I mean, I have five kids and 20 grandkids, so I care for people. So it was just sure. now I'm going to be caring yeah. for parents, but I wasn't sure, you know, how to go from there. And anyway, that's kind of the beginning of the saga where there's, you know, a whole bunch. But I personally went to Barnes and Nobles and I asked the information booth. I said, do you have anything on parenting parents? Mm -hmm. And I swear that girl looked me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> that, and of course, she was young. You know, she, we never, we're not prepared for this. Mm -hmm. We're not prepared to take care, to become the parents to our parents. They're the ones that taught us how to ride a bicycle. They're the ones that held our hands when we teeter-tottered on our little feet. You know, I mean, we're not supposed to take care of them. And finally, I said, okay, I'm going to have to re rephrase this a different way. So I said, okay, do you have any books on Alzheimer's? And she said, oh, yeah, we've got a section over there. Now, we're, now remember this. It was well over 15 years ago. So she takes me to a section, and I know they can't see me, but they take me to a section, and the, the books are about 15 books. Mm. That's all there was out there. And there happened to be this one she picked up, and she showed me, and it was things you need to know about Alzheimer's. I said, okay. And, you know, Barnes & Nobles has these chairs and all. So I, you know, sit down in a comfy chair, and I start opening it. And I decided to read a chapter. Lori, I want you to know that it was written by a doctor. He had this big, you know, PhD after his name. I couldn't understand a thing he was saying. Mm -hmm. It was like reading a foreign language that I never learned. So I went and got another one. And all of them were that way. They were written by doctors, and they were written in doctor's terms. So I think that's the seed that God put in my head was, when your journey's over, you're going to write a book that will speak to the layperson, the caregiver that's walking that journey, holding the hand of her loved one. And the loved one could be her spouse. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a parent. It could be a spouse. It could be a sibling. It could be an aunt. It could be your grandma. You know, it... it it covers all the gambits. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's kind of how my journey started. Yeah. And I, I love in your book, you, you talk a lot about creating those memories with your family members, even though they have dementia, you can still create beautiful memories with them. And also 
find humor along the way. And I think that is so important because as I was sharing with you earlier, my grandmother had dementia and there were so many things that were funny. I mean, they just were funny, you know, and you really, you had to find the humor in it. I mean, you, you know, you laugh instead of cry. I mean, there really is a, a lot of humor to be had. So I, I think that's really important, as you say, create those memories and find the humor. Well, I think in America, more so than maybe other countries, because I think a lot of other countries, multi-generations live in the same household. We don't in America, mm-hmm. you know, very few. And, and it could be that, you know, I live in Texas and mom lives in California, but you can still create those memories. Now, I'm not talking about the year of COVID. Oh, my gosh, that, oh, that's yeah. a whole, whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> but, you know, I've seen, I've actually seen during COVID and heard of many families moving their parents down close to them or moving, you know, mom, if she's the only one left, you know, moving her down, you know, close to them. But when I talk about creating those memories, you know, we all have memories of when we were younger and mom, you know, did this, or I helped mom bake a cake or, you know, those kind of things. You can actually do the role reversal. You can be baking the cake and have mom sitting at the table and she can help, you know, crack the egg or, or stir it or, you know, make those memories again. And, even if she does it wrong and something, like I say, you all laugh together. And we all know in the industry and, and most people do as they travel through life, when you laugh, you create endorphins in your body, which are healing and it's healing to them because we all want to laugh at ourselves. I'm sorry, we do. And if we're not laughing at ourselves, then we need to get our own little psychiatrist. But we need to recognize that we're not perfect. You know, if we're perfect, we would be somewhere else, and we're we're not perfect. So, you know, I talk about creating memories. Give you another, you know, little example. My parents, and I won't go into a, the the whole story of it, but my parents lived in East Texas, and it was like an hour and forty five minutes from my house, and there was no way I was going to convince my dad to move up close to me. Mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. My dad had a wish that they would just both go to sleep and die in their beds. And you know what? In a, in a perfect world, that's what we'd all want to do. Sure. Just go to sleep, pass on. Our loved ones would grieve. They would bury us and, and go on with life. But you and I both know reality today with doctors, medical and technology, we're going to all live forever. I keep telling my kids, I'm going to live to be 112. I, I might do it. Who knows? But let me give you a fact I just found out. I don't know if you have any 10 year olds in your family or, you know, within that, that realm. Did you know that 50% of 10 year olds that are living today will live to be over a hundred? I believe it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. a scary, you know, they might be bionic. <laughs> I have a bionic leg. So I, you know, I know how that goes. But it's a little scary, you know, if we don't get mm-hmm. a handle on, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson. Now I'm going to share this because my parents are gone and God bless them. But my dad was a Marine. And those of y'all that have military in your family understand what I'm getting ready to say. You know, he was a hard man. And to top it off, his mother died when he was two years old. Hmm. So he never had a a mother that showed him the kind of love that we know mother's loves can be. 
Well, he met my mom and they got married and they had me about 16 months later and I was the apples of his eye. And then my mom had many, many miscarriages, but finally had my little brother who's nine years younger than me. But the reason I share that with you, my mom came from a strong Christian family and she was the oldest of four girls. My dad came from a, not really a broken family, but you know, he didn't have a mother uh, he was tossed from aunt to uncle and aunt to mm -hmm. uncle, joined the Marines when he was 15. So, you know, they, they were like that opposites attract, you know, they had something, but you know, it was opposite track. Well, when my mother got Alzheimer's and my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson, he was in denial. Of course, he's the closest loved one that my mom was sick. Sure. And here's one of those funny memories. To him, she was just Betty Davis. Oh, your mom is just acting like Betty Davis. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I can look back and, and laugh because in his eyes, he couldn't, all he saw was the woman he married and he loved. He couldn't see the disease. He wouldn't accept the disease and all the, you know, different antics she would do and, you know, losing this and laying something in the wrong place or leaving the stove on, you know, all of those you know, he couldn't cope with it. So he would just make sure she always had a bump, bunt cake to eat. Because if you know anything about Alzheimer's, they like sweets. They do. They like <laughs> so he always made sure she had bunt cakes. But I was blessed because I have an aunt. Her baby sister lived 15 minutes from them. So he was my eyes and ears on my parents for the first five or so, you know, five or six years. Mm -hmm. And she would know when something was going on and oh my gosh you know there's a sundry stories but you can laugh at all of them and that's the whole key is you have to laugh and you have to create those memories you know I remember my mom liked you know onion rings so every time we'd go visit I would take her onion rings you know we'd stop at the hamburger joint and get her onion rings you know and those are fun things you know that you can do with your mom give you another example uh, one thing I did with my mother a lot was finally she got in such a situation. In fact, we thought she was going to die and I, I won't go into all of that, but she had total kidney failure and they told us that she would be gone in 24 hours. My mom lived another seven and a half years, but, <laughs> but I told you strong woman, strong will here in this family. But anyway, I, she taught me how to garden she she lived, uh, you know, in East Texas and had two and a half acres and, you know, had gardens and taught me how. So when she ended up close to me and she had to be in a facility because she had so many complications, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw this in. I could have brought her home and taken care of her, but I had already seen many of my friends. It would have been hard. Yeah. It would have been hard, but I could have gotten extra help and all. But she was better off in the facility, first of all, because she was a very social person. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. loved having other people around to talk to them. And it doesn't matter when they're out there and they tell each other the same story over and over. No one's going to say, I've heard that before. No, because they have Alzheimer's. They don't know what happened three minutes ago, much less the story you told them, you know, the day yeah. before. But I used to take in a box and I found the perfect box. It was a cat litter box. <laughs> I would fill it with dirt. I would buy those little four-inch pots, 
and we would go out and you know in the garden area there they you know every home has an area where you can go out and she would have time of her life planting those flowers or planting those herbs you know and that was a memory that i mm -hmm. have you know whatever your parents or loved ones passion are you know find an avenue that you can do together again if they love to do jigsaw puzzles do jigsaw puzzles. I don't know if you've heard the bubble wrap story, but it's a hoot. Gosh, this one, and it's not my story. I'm, I'm just burning. I can't remember <laughs> the young lady that did it. But her father was bedridden and he had dementia. Wasn't real bad, but, but he, he, I think he had a stroke and then it went into dementia, which sometimes that happens. But he wanted to work. He wanted a job. So she got to thinking what can I have my dad do? And she had been receiving a lot of packages and had this bubble wrap. And somehow she got the idea that she would have a company hire her dad. Now, this is a company in her head. Mm -hmm. Hire her dad to pop those bubbles. Because in a landfill, they're better if they're popped. He would get a regular check every week for popping those bubbles. As a matter of fact, he asked her to get him some gloves because his fingers were getting sore <laughs> for popping the bubbles. So he had a but purpose. Imagine, yeah, but, but he had a purpose mm -hmm. and he had value and, his, and he and his daughter were sharing memories. You know, she'd bring him the paycheck and, you know, he'd say, okay, go put this in my account. You know, in other words, just be creative like you would. And I, I don't want to say, you know, like a child. But just like you would a child, they're, they're valuable. Mm -hmm. Our parents are very valuable to the day they die. I, you know, I sometimes wonder, my mother had Alzheimer's 16 years. Oh, my goodness. And that's, a, yeah, that's a long time. I mean, yeah. usually it's about half of that. But I think it's because we were having so much fun. Mm -hmm. We were doing things. You know, I'd read to her. I mean, or she'd read the back of a newspaper. And I'm going, Mom, she lost her glasses years ago but all of a sudden God took care of it and she could read again anyway mm -hmm. it's it's just you know find those things that you can connect on and have fun with them yeah and even if you're just playing at things that's the trigger to having those memories I wouldn't and I'm gonna get a little but I wouldn't trade those last memories for anything mm -hmm. in the world with my mom or with my dad or with pop pop and I would dance around the kitchen I mean, things, silly things you might do with kids, but mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. When they go through that, they become children again. I think that's so important because I feel like, you know, when, when I talk to a lot of people, if the, you know, a parent has just been diagnosed with dementia. Of course, it's scary, it's sad and everything. But I think it's good to look at it in this way that you, you can still create these memories, like you're saying, you know, like bake a cake together, but your roles may be reversed. You're more the parent, they're the child. Dance with them garden do you can still do these things with them and they do still have value everyone has value and I think that's so important and I, I think like you're saying is that when someone is home or they're not being they're not being stimulated in any way it doesn't matter that they have some dementia they're going to decline quicker if they don't have that stimulation whether it's you know with their family or if they're in a memory care community you know whatever it may be and and i love that too like the gentleman with the job because i find a lot of um senior communities memory cares they will give them a job they'll say oh 
Mr. Smith, you were an accountant. Okay, so here's your briefcase. And, and they truly believe they're going, sitting down, they're going to work, they've worked, you know, an eight hour day. And I think that that is, that's incredible. I think that's what we need to do. We need to do more of that for our seniors. Yeah. Well, I've discovered during COVID, well, I was doing it a little bit before, but it just started right before summer before last, but during COVID, I was speaking to a lot of the senior centers Mm -hmm. and I was, I'd put on my coveralls and my garden gear and I'd shoot it out in my garden room because we'd do a Zoom and I was sharing with them, you know, the little story I told you, but I Mm -hmm. said, what y'all need to do is build raised bed container gardens for your, you know, your residents, let them Mm -hmm. grow herbs and vegetables and then let the kitchen take them and cook them up and they show up on the seniors plates. Mm-hmm. And that's happening at many it of is, the, you know, yes. the seniors are growing those. And, and like I said, I, I, I've even physically gone out and taught them how to build a raised bed container garden mm-hmm. or a keyhole garden. And if you haven't heard the word keyhole, look it up. It's K E Y H O L E just mm-hmm. like the keyhole, but it's, you know, you can grow those herbs and vegetables and, and, and they, they, they know they're doing something. Mm-hmm. They're giving, they're back. contributing. <laughs> yeah. And the raised gardens are so wonderful because if they're in a wheelchair, they can get out there and or if they're using a walker, it's right at the perfect level where they can garden and be a part of it. Yeah. Excellent ideas. So what about, you know, working with caregivers? I know you call it, I was going to ask for your, like your best self-care tips, but I know you call it your four golden rules. So tell us about your four golden rules. Well, you know, I think this is something we all know, but for some reason God had me to kind of organize it. Mm -hmm. And I call it my four golden rules, but they're, they're mantras that we all know and, and they're love. You know, love is number one. We have to love and we have to love unconditionally. In other words, when they do something silly, you know, laugh with them. Never make fun of them, but you mm-hmm. love unconditionally. And and the biggie you and I both know is respect. You know, we talked about the role reversal. You know, you become the parent and they become the child, but you never, never let them know that. Mm-hmm work with them if they tell you that the sky is purple well it's a pretty purple you respect them for who what and where they are at that moment and that will make your life so much easier if you do and and that was that was a hard one for me to learn with my dad mm-hmm. you know my mom was a little easier but my dad you know I had to learn respecting him for who what he where was at that moment and that also goes along with patience. Mm-hmm. You have to have patience with them because I guarantee you, and I'm going to share a quick little snip and it'll happen. It happens in every family. My mom and I had the greatest relationship. We even, we would travel together. You know, she'd want to go visit her cousins in California and we'd fly out there. And I mean, she was my best friend. She was my, my cohort. She was the one, she was really the one that raised me because my dad traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. But when they get older, you know, and they do things that are totally, they don't understand, you roll with it. You just roll with it. Some days you can't. I remember a Sunday that I was out visiting my mom, my husband and I were, and 
she had gotten too close to the front door and she had one of those bracelets on her ankle that set the alarm off. Mm -hmm. And the nurses had just heard it. And so we were all going at the same time, going towards the door. And mom didn't want to get away from the door. And I said, Mom, Charlotte's here. And she looked at me. Oh, my gosh. She said, I hate you. Get out of here. Don't mm. ever come back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the most hateful, hurtful thing I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. Now, I had to do some brain thinking right then. Go, that's not my mom. That's a disease. Mm -hmm. That's not it's my mom. That's a disease. Mm -hmm. But it still hurts coming out of that, you know, the physical form that was your mother. Mm -hmm. We got her calm a little bit, but she never, I tried to keep a little bit of distance because she was angry. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if she was in pain, needed some pain, you know, medication. You know, I don't know what all was going on. And that was probably the shortest visit I ever had with my mom because I just couldn't get her to a comfortable place. And it was, the nurses even said, it's probably better if we leave, mm -hmm. you know, and let them try to, you know, calm her down. But I remember crying all day. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I knew that wasn't my mother. Mm -hmm. And it was the disease, but it still hurts. And so being is, patient, yeah. you know, made me walk in the next day and, and it was my mom again. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. That only happened to me one time. Mm -hmm. But and I know that it happens a lot. That is a hard thing to separate, you know, because it is your mom. It's the physical form of your mom, like you said. And the things coming out of her mouth are things that you would never expect to hear. And when I speak with families all the time, you know, I can hear the hurt in their voices. And they may tell me a story of, you know, what their parents said. I think, you know, logically, it's not, they're not meaning to say it's the disease. But it is a hard thing to, you know, you have to sit back and kind of say, say to yourself, I mean, I know it's hurtful, acknowledge that it's hurtful, but it's not them. It's not, they would never, they would be mortified if they knew what they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the, that's a biggie that mm -hmm. patience has to patience. come in. You have to have patience with them. And sometimes you might have to step out of the room, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and or end a visit, like you said, yeah, literally. yeah, go, go away from it. But, you know, patience is big. And then the last of my four golden rules, I've told you about love, respect, and patience. The last is forgiveness. Now, we've all had times in our life when we've hurt someone or someone has hurt us, and we need to forgive because the person we're hurting most is ourself. Mm -hmm. Because if we hold on to unforgiveness, I'm going to say that one more time. If we hold on to unforgiveness, it's like an anchor. It will weigh you down. But when we forgive people, it's freedom. It is total freedom. It takes off all that weight. And, and I won't go into, there's actually a big story in my book about forgiveness. And it is mind boggling. I've actually done hour long talks on just forgiveness. And I have ladies come up to me afterwards and go, oh my gosh, you shared my story. Thank you. I haven't talked to my sister in 20 years. And I, you know, I look at him and I go, do you know why y'all are arguing or not speaking? She said, no, I've forgotten. Well, after 20 years, you're not going to remember. Wow. But forgiveness wow. is so big. 
mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. our parents aren't perfect. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. There's got to be things you have to forgive. And with that being said, when they have dementia or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or any of the diseases, they're going to do things that you'll have to forgive them for mm-hmm. before they even, you know, either say something or do something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I love your four golden rules, and I think we all need to um, apply those to every part of life, actually. (laughs) So I crossed paths recently with a gentleman who shares my passion for seniors. His name is Jimmy Zolo, and he shared with me that after both of his grandparents had moved into a senior care community, his family's world was just turned upside down as they became caregivers overnight. As you know, being a caregiver to someone close to you is often overwhelming, and there's just so much for you to manage, even with the support of living in the senior care community, like making sure your loved one has all the products they need and keeping them stocked when stuff runs out. Well, Jimmy had that problem too, and he was scrolling through all of these product reviews across the internet, and like most of us in the sandwich generation, we don't have enough hours in the day, so it can end up being way too time-consuming and frustrating. He wished there was a simpler way to shop for his grandparents, and then of course the pandemic hit, which prevented visitation to the communities, making this process even more difficult. So Jimmy decided to launch his own business to solve this problem. He founded Joe and Bella to make shopping for older adults simple. They care everything from comfy clothes to creative gifts. They even have toiletries that can be automatically reordered and tech that makes caregiving easier. And what I love, and I know y'all will love this too, is that each and every product on Joe and Bella has been carefully selected by caregiving experts. Jimmy is giving us an exclusive offer for the listeners of this podcast. You can use promo code STYLE to receive 10% off your first purchase at joeandbella.com. That's code S-T-Y-L-E, STYLE, for 10% off at joeandbella.com. I know in talking earlier that you have written a new book called Sparks. Okay, tell us a little bit about Sparks. Well, I have to first back up. I was at a seminar in January before COVID hit. Mm Mm-hmm. It was an all-day seminar, and uh, it was a lot of masterminders, you know, sharing their ideas. And uh, and this one lady came up to me. Her name was Sophie, and she said, "Let's have lunch." So we got to talking to each of us together. Long story short, she said, "How would you like if we collaborated on a book?" Now she had her PhD, and she had a couple other ladies, and we ended up writing a book. And it's called Sparks, Ignite Your Way to Success. And it launched on Thanksgiving weekend, November 28th. And it helps people, you know, kind of reinvent themselves, uh, know how to stay on top of their game, know how to recognize the imposter inside themselves. They're trying to be something that they're not. So it's a really neat book. And we have actually won three Amazon awards on it. Wow. And a couple of others shortly. So if anybody's interested, they can get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. They can either go look up Sparks, Ignite Your Way to Success, or you can look up Charlotte Canyon, and it's under me on Amazon as well. Great. So we'll, put any- a, we'll put a link in the comments to your book. I think that's wonderful. And I think what good timing for reinventing yourself, because through COVID, I think all of us have had to find a way to sort of reinvent ourselves because our world has been 
you know, turned upside down. Turned, and basically also, turned upside down. Yeah. And I also think for seniors, we talk a lot on the show about age is just a number and re- redefining yourself at any age. And um, I think that's really important for women, especially as we get older and maybe kids are grown and, you know, leave the nest. And then, um, you know, we're in our 60s or 70s. I mean, we can always redefine ourselves and start a new business, start a new hobby. It doesn't matter what your age is. So I think that's an incredible message. Well, you were talking early on about my first book. And mm-hmm. I didn't share this, but you have to laugh to keep from crying. I was 70 years old when I wrote that book. Were you? And, yeah. And God, God literally told me my mother passed away on January mm-hmm. 1st, 2015. And God said, now write your book. Mm-hmm. And I literally looked up to heaven and I said, God, you saw my grades in English in school. You want me to write a book? And he said, oh, my gosh, Charlotte, you tell great stories. We got editors. They'll take care of all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And this is the other funny thing. Within six weeks, I got an email inviting me to a writer's seminar. That was the time I looked up again and I go, okay, God, you do not send emails. I know you don't send emails, (laughs) but I went to that seminar and 11 months later, the book was in my hand and the next year it was voted the best self-help book in the state of Texas. I want you to know a 70 year old little granny never dreamed this journey, but I've, I've reinvented my whole life, Mm -hmm. my whole journey. I'm having Mm -hmm. the time of my life. I'm, I'm able to, Well, not during COVID, I'm not able to hug, but I've been (laughs) able to hug so many people. And, and, you know, when you go into a home and I mean, I love to hug those little old ladies and those, you know, those gentlemen that want to talk to you and tell you their life stories. You know, you know, we've got two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen twice as Mm -hmm. much as me. So, you know, I love people and Mm -hmm. and God's given me this journey and he's, they're calling me the voice of the caregiver. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's because a lot of my stories are so similar to everyone else's. We all have this fine, I call it a silver thread that kind of intertwines through all of our stories. They all have a similar thread that binds us together. And we caregivers are the strength for each other. Because if, if a caregiver doesn't have a mentor they can talk to or a friend they can talk to, they need to find a group mm-hmm. because caregivers have got to let it out. And feel like, oh, my gosh, did that happen to you, too? And they realize they're not walking it alone. Mm -mm. That's so important to have others have a support group that others are experiencing what you are. And you're, you know, instead of sitting there alone thinking, this is my life is terrible. This is awful. This is only happening to me. There's uh, so many other people in the same going through the same journey. So that's a good point. And I think that what an inspiration at 70 that you wrote a book. And I think that is amazing and wonderful. And this is a message that through this podcast, I really try to get out to people that your life isn't over when you turn 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. You can be, you can do be anything you want, no matter your age. And I truly, truly believe that. Thing. Yeah, it's true. You can. I'm, yeah. I'm a living example. <laughs> exactly. Well, the last question I want to ask you, I ask everyone on the show, who is an inspirational senior in your life or has been? Well, you know, I've mentioned her earlier, but it's my mother. Mm-hmm. My mother, I still feel her channeling through me. 
she always gave me one bit of advice. She said, treat others the way you want to be treated. And I have tried to do that in my life. I try to love unconditionally and I try to treat others the way I want to be treated. And she's been that way as far back as I can remember. So she's my mentor. She was the senior that guided me. I, I wouldn't want to do anything different. She helped at her church. She would collect glasses for people that couldn't afford glasses. She was always giving back. I haven't shared this with you, and I, I don't know if you got one, but I made over 700 masks during COVID mm-hmm. early on and, you know, passed out masks. And it was just something I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, I could sew, so it was something I could do. It was something my mother would have done because mm-hmm. my mother used to sew all of my clothes. So, you know, she, yeah, she would be the senior I would, I've always mm-hmm. looked up to. She, she influenced me so much by her life. And I know she's smiling down on me. I feel it, you know, all the time. You know, there's things I wished I could really share with her, but mm-hmm. you know, I know she's, She knows. That's wonderful. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, sharing your experiences. I think it's such a blessing what you've done and writing all your books that you've written. I'm so thankful for you. I am going to share all your information in the contact so that people can can find you and they can order either if they want. um, You have to laugh to keep from crying, which I love this book. It's wonderful. Or your newest book. And you know, that's my mother's hands on the cover. Oh, is it really? That's me holding my mother's hands. And I never dreamed that would be the picture on the cover, but it's that's beautiful. And that's the best picture. And I will, um, I'll put this on social media and probably on my website too. So people can see it. They know what we're talking about and can go order your book. But I so appreciate you being on the show and, We will have all, you know, like I said, all your contact information, how people can reach you. And then as always, you know, if you have questions or want to learn more about Charlotte and about her book, just reach out to me. You can contact me through the website, which is lauriewilliams-seniorservices.com. And thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 